Hello, hello. Welcome back to Damcast Podcast, episode 19. I'm your host, Alex, and with me today, I have the one and only, the one co-host of the show, Pablo. Amongst two more, but for today, this will have to do. How's it going? It is December 3rd, and uh, it is the season to be jolly. Right. Fantasy playoffs are here. On the verge, yep. One week from now, for at least for our leagues, for other leagues, it might have started already. Fantasy basketball is beginning to warm up. Everybody's team is starting to cohesion together like some icing in a gingerbread house. Everybody's starting to look good, at least on our fantasy league or my well, team. Our fantasy league has very little activity from certain teams. Over half the league is no longer really playing. If they were active, though, they would definitely be doing just as good as us. That's just the truth. Maybe, yeah. Maybe better. We wouldn't know because they gave up so early. So we've been gone for a long time. And I could tell you that there's a lot going on in the sports world. Did you see the boxing match? I did not. I saw what happened in the 12th round. That's about it. That that Fury came up like the Undertaker after yeah. being knocked out for nine seconds. And he just got up like nothing ever happened. I thought happened it was seven him. seconds. It was literally nine seconds he got up. But the, like the ninth second he got up. And he was like, I'm good. Yeah, he was just chilling, bro. Like, he needed the break. He's like, yo, you know, I'm kind of on the pudgier side. I don't use my legs a lot. I was really surprised to see how good that guy is because he's not built like a boxer. That guy is built like, I don't know. English people, man. construction worker or something. You wouldn't think it, but they they could do it. A a retired golf player. Yeah. That guy does not look anything like it, but he could take punches. And he was crazy. He was taunting the whole round, sticking his tongue out, just gloves behind his back. Was he really? Yes. Damn. Just looking at his opponent, smiling the whole time. He would get punched, and then nothing. He was just taking the punches like it was nothing. He, I think in my book, he won that match. But right. it ended Even up though he got knocked down in the 12th round? Yes, because he got knocked down in the 12th round, but you have to understand that that was one round being won. Just because you get a knockdown doesn't mean you win the the entire match. Right. So in that particular match, he won that round. But Fury was winning every other round. He was really doing that. He his defense was crazy. Duck and weave every single punch. I didn't understand that a guy like that can move that swiftly. He gave me hope. Get swifty. He was doing that. He was dodging punches. He was throwing. And he had the advantage in the in the aspect that he has a bigger reach. Right. So A longer he, reach, yeah. Yeah. So he was able to throw those punches in a lot, you know, cleaner, I would say, without getting in the distance or in the way of the other opponent's punches. It it definitely minimizes uh, your risk of getting hit when you have a longer reach. Uh, back, back when I would do, uh, yeah, back when I would uh, do karate spar with other people there was one particular um person in my class that was taller than me had a longer everything longer arms longer legs longer everything uh, you say in terms of as a fighter yes <laughs> and and it was hard to get in it, it was hard to get in close that distance he would keep me at bay with his legs it, and it was a lot easier for him you know when you have that reach than to fight people a little bit shorter than your people with the same build as you so to fight a fighter with a with a harder reach, it's definitely an advantage. It, it won't make or break a fight, but it'll go a long way. Well, that's basically what it was. People were mad that Fury didn't win the fight. Fury himself was mad. Wilder was actually very ecstatic that he got a tie because he definitely lost that match. Despite winning that last, the a lot, last round. Because, I mean, you know. Prisoners of the moment. If you I, see a, a knock, if the last thing you see before a match is a knockdown, you're going to automatically think that that person wins the match. Yeah, but at the same time, and like I, I get that you might have won the previous rounds, but if it's a fight that's supposed to go the distance, then ultimately at the end of the day, you would think who who's going to outlast who. And if you knock someone down right at the end rather than at the beginning, then it shows that at the very least you're the one outlasting them at the moment. You have the momentum. If that fight goes another two rounds or something, who really wins it? Yeah, but what if that person gets back up like nothing ever happened? Did that punch actually that's do true. anything? That's true. He did, but, you know, that's... That, that's he what kept it means. fighting. He still stuck the tongue out. He still put the gloves behind his back. That guy was not stopped. He's crazy. I would not do it. He's the type of guy to start a fight with a headbutt, and I'm not trying to mess with those people. That's all I'm trying to say. What about the type of people that start a fight with a bite? 
I don't know. You're fighting <laughs> squirrels or something? Like, I don't know, bro. Some dude catches you in a chokehold. Well, shit. I guess it's biting season. Well, that, well, you didn't start the fight with a bite. Right, but that's... I mean... You're defending yourself at that you're point. You're defending yourself, but by defending yourself, you're. it's officially a fight at that point. Because one person could do... One person could just hit you and it's assaulting. You're not fighting if the guy's hitting you. You're only fighting if, you know... Yeah, but it's how you start the fight. It's how you start the fight. Doesn't the fight start when someone that was the first punch? Nah, it's the first punch, man. You could get beat up, and that's not a fight. Some dude just uh, yeah, but who who initiated the contact? The guy beating you up. It's it's only a fight if you fight back. Exactly. But it's whoever starts the first blow. Mm. I guess. Okay. That's the first person to start the fight. Okay. So in this case, I feel like that guy would headbutt you, and you're the, done. You're at done a bar too, it'd be at a bar. He'd be drinking. You For know, sure. he'd be drinking. For he'd sure. be drinking at he'd a bar. He'd be right next to Rob Gronkowski, and they'd be <laughs> they'll be jamming beers right on their head, and and then one random dude will say something, and he'll be like, "Oh yeah, bet, pop, headbutt him right there, right next pop. to right right next to uh, Aaron Rodriguez, oh Hernandez, whatever. Rest in peace. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Did you see the video of Tom Brady? What video? <laughs> he posted a video of himself looking at the camera saying, yeah, after many years, I got... Hold on, let me just play it for Are you, you. talking about the 1,000-yard reception thing? Yeah, the, the video where he gets in the car. Have you seen it? Dude, I didn't see the video about him getting in the car, but I saw, like, a lot of videos. Um, I think they made, like, a little fake documentary that they're trying to do, like, a football life. Tom Brady getting 1,000 rushing yards. Why he should be the GOAT. Not because of his passing achievements, but because he's gotten a thousand rushing or fifty yards or, or some shit like I don't know, man. But uh, they 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 definitely clowned him a lot about it. It was a selfie video. He looked like the the typical dad just looking at the camera, but he ended up looking like a total boss, man. That's all I gotta tell you about that. What's up? Nine and three. But you know what? The only reason I've been playing nineteen years is to get to that thousand yards. Mm-hmm. I did it, so that's it. I'm out. Time to ride off into the sunset. Oh, okay. Gotta get back to work. John Corleone. Trust me, at the top it isn't lonely. Everybody acting like they know me, dog. All right, we gotta cut that before we get the rights taken away. I was but, wondering. I'm like, yeah, can we really keep it I'll, playing that long? <laughs> no. What? I mean, Brady did it. Thanks, Brady, for putting that video. I mean, bruh, Brady. Though. Started off awkward, but it ended up clean, super clean with that posy hit. That man Brady's changing the game. He's, He's changing the game right now. It used to be the quarterbacks used to be dumb at 30. Nah, let's keep him around till they 40. Bro, he is the GOAT. That boy trying to make it a 45. He not, but he trying to make it a 45. You know, he trying to make it a 45, and he's slowly showing that, especially playing a tough defense like Minnesota. Bruh. He had me real confused. He was playing awful in the beginning, and then after that, it was just he, he caught up. I th- and all those co- and all those running backs, man. That running back committee, that, Bro, that where shit, are they coming from? It's shit, just two that, running backs up every every match. Yeah, he, they they boned me this week, bro. Like, first of all, you're using James White a lot. That's cool. Then you want to put in Burkhead and use Burkhead more than you want to use Mitchell. When you guys have a three point lead, it's a perfect time to use Mitchell. You run down the clock, but no, they put in Burkhead. They use White. Okay, cool. Do you know when they put in Mitchell though? They put in Mitchell. After a bunch of passing plays, when everybody knows he's just going to run the ball, and then they try to run the ball, and the other team knows it because they weren't being creative with Mitchell. They kept trying to be creative with other running backs and then just use them as a power back. That's not going to work if that's the only time you're using Mitchell because then everybody's going to know, oh, that's a running play. Let's go, go, let's go after the running back, which is what happened a lot. Do you know how many players rushed? For the Patriots that game, can you guess? I want to say five. Seven. Seven players rushed. Wow. Sonny Mitchell, Julian Edelman, James White, Rex Barkhead, Cordell Patterson, James Devlin, and Tom Brady himself. That's right. I forgot about James Devlin vulturing me twice. Four carries for five yards. Two he touchdowns. vultured me <laughs> twice. Two times. Oh, man. Sonny Michel did really good that game. 17 carries for 63 yards, but zero touchdowns. And those were mostly towards the end, too, because he wasn't doing that hot at the beginning. They weren't using him that well. 
But then once um, around, especially the last drive, they started using him to milk the clock. And lo and behold, it worked out. That's what happens when you have a defense that's tired. And then you just put in, I guess that was their plan. Ultimately, I think that was their plan. But either way, it bummed, it bum rushed my fantasy team. So I'm not too thrilled about it. Let me tell you, though, the Patriots have got a really good one-two punch with Sonny Michelle and James White. Those guys are playing their roles, and is, I think it was better working better for them than Dalvin Cook and Latavius Murray. Did you see Dalvin Cook, though? <sighs> I'm so happy for him. Bro. This is all I wanted. I just wanted to succeed You didn't think it would life. happen. You didn't think it would happen. I was very skeptical about it, yes, but it's not because of Dalvin's talent. It's just because I don't see him getting healthy. He's been injured for a long time, even since FSU. Yeah. So I know that he has been injured for a while, and I just didn't see him be 100% just coming out of injury like that, especially since, you know, he he re-injured himself in the season. I mean, he's proving me wrong, but I'm nothing but happy for the man. I I love Dalvin Cook, you know. That boy living it up on my fantasy team, but he couldn't get a touchdown, so... Um, and once again, Kirk Cousins goes to show you what Kirk Cousins does. One touchdown, two interceptions. That's just Kirk Cousins for you, man. And it's not even like the Patriots got that best of a, of a defense out there that we should be. No, no, no. Don't give me that face. The Patriots aren't even a top five defense right now. They don't it's need Kirk to be Cousins. a top five defense. It's Kirk Cousins. They just need to be a top ten defense. And honestly, they're playing like a top ten defense. Can you name ten defense that are better than them when it matters? Hey, I just said they're not top five. That's all I That's said. That's fine. The way they've been playing, the way they played Aaron Rodgers, the way they played Kirk Cousins, it's not just like there, there might be some times where they slip up, but now they have Dante Howard. They're getting in their groove, and the the offense is taking off for the most part. It didn't take off all that much um, until the end last week. I mean, this Sunday, rather. It's doing things, man. It's doing things. Top five defense, Texans. No, scratch that top three. The Texans are a top three defense right now, and they just need that offense to be stepped up a little bit. And I'm telling you, they're going to do some big things. Maybe not this year, but next year, there's some team to be looking out for. Well, I thought they were good enough to be the best defense going into this year. Um, I thought they definitely deserved to be a top three defense going into this year. That being said, I don't think they're a top three defense now. I think they're a top five defense at best. Um what would you say your top three defenses are then? The Bears? The Bears, naturally. Um, whew. I would have said the Vikings, but after... after, Well, you know, that wasn't even on Kirk Cousins. That, that, that wasn't even on the defense, rather. I think that was more on Kirk Cousins. Um, can't even say Jacksonville anymore. Jacksonville's trash. Well, Jacksonville held Andrew Luck to, to zero points last week, so... I mean, they made, they made their bounds back, but it's, ah. it's bound to happen. You know what I'm saying? Defenses have those good weeks. But Honestly, yeah, I might have to put Jacksonville or at least. You're going to put Chargers. Jacksonville on top of the Texans, man. Come on, man. Come Dude, on. What, they, what are you doing, They shut man? down Andrew Luck when he was hot. That's what they did. We couldn't do shit against him. Andrew Luck got hot against us. Your defense was not hot back then. I'm talking about currently. Currently, they speaking. got what? So they got hot against bad teams. Like, come on, man. They got hot against. So what's bad your top teams. three, Pablo? What's your top three? Because you're arguing me, and you haven't even told me your top three yet. Bears, Chargers. Man, fuck this. We're not going into the defense. Come on, man. I, I, I really can't. Honestly, Come on, because the Texans are a top three. Be excited, Pablo. I've be excited. Look, I can't. I how can't be excited. Not, how are I can't you be not excited. admitting that your team has a top three defense right now? How are you doing that? Because I don't believe more than anything in our cornerbacks and, and their interior linebacker core. That's that's the main weakness. I believe the pass rush will get there. J.J. Watt will do J.J. Watt things. Him playing against fodder teams is great for him because that way he gets back to his old self. It's not like he's playing against top-tier competitions like he was against the Patriots. So that lets him get a little bit used to it, lets him get back into the swing of things. Jadavian Clowney's always going to do Jadavian Clowney things now that he's stayed healthy for the amount of time that he has. Whitney Merciless coming in, that's always he's always been playing well when he's been healthy, so that's great. I, I don't think our pass rush was the issue. The, mo- the thing I did think was the issue was our cornerbacks, and I don't think that's changed that much. I love Jonathan Joseph, 
But I, ultimately, I think he's just a cornerback two. And we don't have a cornerback one. And that's why we kept getting roasted. T.Y. Hilton, other speed receivers like that are going to roast our defense. That's just what's going to happen. We get exposed. On the bright side, we have Tyron Matthew, though, so that definitely helps us. Yeah, but right now you're a top five rushing defense, and you are definitely a top five passing defense. And I guess you're top five, but even then, the teams that are above you in those other categories are consistent with that. They're not all in top five. You know what I'm saying? They're not all in top five categories. Right. The fact that the Texans are in both, they're doing plays. They're getting pick sixes, man. And I know you're going to say, Oh, Ooh, Baltimore's defense. My bad. That's, that's why I would have put. But you're yeah. going to put the Chargers defense above the Texans defense, man. Honestly? Come on, man. I, why are you saying that? All right. Because Vikings, they beat I don't care. Big ben? I don't care, Is that I don't care if Vikings lost to, to the Patriots. They're still a top three defense. Fuck it. Yep. There you go. Top three. You got the Chargers, the Vikings, and the Bears. Bears are obviously at number one. Okay. We were just talking about the Chargers defense. They came to Pittsburgh, and they conquered Big Ben. There was an injury in James Conner, which could have definitely helped the Steelers, but... The Chargers. No, no, no. James Conner not being injured could have helped the Steelers win later on throughout the game. How? What do you mean, how? That's their number one running back. How would the Steelers running back, James Conner, help the Steelers if he's injured? How does if that he, benefit if he, them? if he wasn't injured. If he wasn't, if he in, wasn't injured, it yes. would have helped the Steelers? Yes, it okay. would have helped the Steelers down the stretch. Despite James Conner getting injured, Jalen Samuels took over and he scored a touchdown. So I really wouldn't put a lot of the blame on James Conner getting injured. Big Ben, though, looked awful. I think he was missing a lot of passes. In the second half. In the second half. Because he was on point in the first half. Second half, yeah. He wasn't connecting with Antonio like he was in the first half. We could credit that to the defense of the Chargers. Because they did get a couple of picks that you know ended up in uh it was it was a tale of two takes and a lot of uh a lot of I don't know it, I feel like that ruined the momentum that Pittsburgh was building up you know I think that and that built the momentum that the Chargers needed right and the game could have gone to overtime but the Chargers got a couple of flags thrown when they were doing the uh field goal the, they, they, the they Steelers got, got a couple the Steelers yeah yeah and even after the field goal was made they still got another flag. So that would have stopped everything again. He just got a whole bunch of chances for Big Ben to get it back. And the secondary team, I mean. What do you mean for Big Ben to get it back? In overtime. That would have only been had the guy missed. And he missed twice. Right. And then after that, they threw another flag even once he made it. They threw one more flag. So he would have right. had another chance to make because it. Because all three times. They were offside, so it was only natural. I mean, the first side, you could see it. He was already in, which kind of hindered the kicker to aim it to a side where it wouldn't get blocked. And unfortunately, that made him miss the first time. That was a clear um, clear offside, so that was a good call. The second call, everybody just no, I didn't think No, I didn't think the call was bad. No, no, I know, but like you saying the kicker missed it, the first time he kicked it was so it wouldn't get blocked. So that was kind of, it, it was a small window. I'm not going to say he missed that one when the guy jumped offside and limited um, the spacing he could do to make an accurate kick. The second time, I still wouldn't put it on them because they, they flat out blocked it. Flat out blocked the kick. So everyone was jumped. And I think it was mostly meant to be a mental thing, trying to mess with his head. You know, they jumped offside the first time. I guess they tried to time it right, but at the very least, they got in his head when he missed. Um, the second time... They straight up all jumped out, made him get blocked. Now that's going to affect his psyche. And the third time, he, you know, he jumped he jumped hella offside, but then he overdid it, and it still gave him a clean window to kick it, and he made it. Enough of that. We know that Big Ben is struggling. He got to fix himself before he starts talking mess about other people because he's not playing like he's supposed to be playing. And the Chargers are making a good comeback. Without Melvin Gordon still winning games, that's a positive sign for them to keep going. Well, Melvin Gordon was never really the engine to that team. Ultimately, it it's starts Phillip at the Rivers. top with Phillip Rivers. Right. Keenan Allen staying healthy is a huge thing for the Chargers because how long have we, how many seasons have we seen them actually be healthy? Very few. So it's like Townsville. So Keenan Allen being healthy, that goes a long way. Mike Williams. Kind of going into his own, that goes a long way. 
I think we haven't seen that often. The Chargers are number one in like taking the time off the clock, you know, running the play slowly. And I think it helps them. It helps their defense. It helps their offense. You know, it helps him make the appropriate reads to try to make the best play he could. So that's something we see differently from the Chargers, whereas other teams try to get the defense slipping and stuff. So, And I think that's why Melvin Gordon was a big part of that, because if you like to take it slow, you like to grind it out with Melvin Gordon. And But this time they showed, hey, we could still get it done with the passing play. But that those halftime adjustments, that was big for that team. You know what's not big for our team? I forgot to mention this at the beginning of the episode, but Pavone's not with us. He's not there. He's just in vacation. He's enjoying himself. So if you're here, your section or your dose of pop culture, I'm sorry, but today is not the day. This is a full sports episode. And uh, a lot of things happen, including Cam Newton disappointing Pablo. Another Cam Newton, right? I think it's going to come up because Pablo has had enough. He believes that he's not only... Cam Newton is trash. Cam is trash. Like, you can't convince me otherwise. He, And it's not even that he's physically trash because Cam Newton might be one of the best physical quarterbacks in the league. But when we're talking about from a mental standpoint, the mental side of the game, he is probably one of the weaker starting caliber quarterbacks in the league. I think he might be the weakest starting caliber quarterback in the league because he's been doing it for so long, and yet he continues to make the same mistakes. He is inaccurate. He makes poor decisions under duress. He doesn't go through his reads all the way. And, yes, sometimes you'll see him make some nice, pretty, accurate passes. And will be like, oh, especially Panthers fans. They'll be like, oh, are you not watching enough Panthers games? Cam Newton's making these accurate throws. Well, motherfucker, he just missed up on one read over there. Then he makes a bunch of errant throws. He misses a wide-open receiver on fourth down. Like, come on, man. He makes so many bad decisions. He's inaccurate in crucial moments. He, he he's mentally weak. He's a he's a mentally weak quarterback. So you don't think this has anything to do with his shoulder injury? At the end of the game, he was trying to do a hail mary. He tried to do that twice. After the third time, it didn't come up, and they had to change him up. You don't think that plays part of it, or because you said it yourself, Cam is physically you know built to be this really good quarterback. So I believe he has a strong arm as well. I think it did have a part to play at the end of the game, but the game. There, it was it was for them to try to catch up. Ultimately, he's made mistakes leading up to that game. He threw four interceptions. I don't know how he threw four interceptions and still outscored Drew Brees in fantasy this week, but he did. And them rushing yards, baby. And some touchdowns. But when you throw those interceptions, when you make bad decisions, when you try to force a throw all the way at one end, when there's a wide open dude running up in the middle of the field, like, come on, man. He, he's, he's making these mistakes over and over again, and he's so physically talented. He's, he's great at running the ball. He could take hits. He has the arm strength, but he still has a lot of work to do from the mental point of the game. I don't know about you, but the Panthers don't look like they're going to do anything in the postseason. And you think there's going to be some coaching adjustments, or do you actually think they're going to blame this strictly on Cam? Because we already saw what the Packers did. The only coaching adjustment I think you need to do in um, in Carolina is maybe the offensive coordinator. And even then, I don't think that's the offensive coordinator's fault. I think he runs a good playbook, a good amount of plays. I just think they need to help him look through his progressions. That's what I think they need to help him with. Look through his progressions, try to make sure he understands it from a mental side of the game. Understand who he needs to go to. At the beginning, back in his rookie years, they dumbed it down for him. They limited it to a certain side of the field so he could make it easier on him. And that worked to an extent, but that's not going to work against the great teams. When you throw in vanilla offenses like that, it's 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 going to affect them when in the big games. So they he needs to kink it up a little bit. They they just well, that's the thing. They can't kink it up a little bit if he can't make the right reads. I've seen them plays wide open guys, but he just couldn't make the right read. That's it. That's all I need to say. I mean, McCaffrey's great. Like, you, you, McCaffrey's doing McCaffrey things, you know, run CMC all the way, baby. But Cam is just holding that team back from a mental standpoint. They, Because he has everything he needs to be an MVP. He's won an MVP already before, first and foremost. Not that you need that to win another MVP award. But he's already won an MVP award. He has the physical gifts. 
He could take hits. He has the arm strength. And he's had the receiving weapons, especially this year. Now, Greg Olson got injured. I understand that. But he's had the receiving weapons. Christian McCaffrey definitely helps his passing game. You could just dump it off to him. You have Devin Funches, DJ Moore's making play. Like, you you got your guys. You got your guys. And you're not doing enough with them. You're not playing to your fullest. And it's not your offensive coordinator's fault. Because I see receivers get open. I just see you passing it to the wrong ones. The ones that are covered. And that's on him. And him missing He's tall enough to open. see them too. It's not like Drew Brees where Drew Brees has the excuse that, you know, he's short. He can't really see everybody down the field. You know, you have these massive guys blocking you. Cam Newton is a tall, is a tall man. And then if you say that, oh, Drew Brees isn't as mobile as Cam. Well, you know, there's another guy at that height doing it, and that's Russell Wilson. He's got the makings of a great quarterback. He's accurate. He's accurate. He makes the right read. Cam doesn't do that. That's the difference. Russell Wilson is shorter, has people in his face, is able to escape the the pocket and still make the right reads, still make the right throws, still throw it down the field and be accurate with it. I know you're describing Drew Brees, but to me, it sounds like Josh Allen. I was describing Russell Wilson to you. Oh, well, to me, that was Josh Allen. Josh Allen. That's what I felt like you were describing, I'm about to get flack for this Josh Allen game, but this Josh Allen comment, but I honestly believe that Josh Allen has a ceiling of Aaron Rodgers. That's where I think his career could go if they put the right pieces around him. Of course. Of course, you have to bring Aaron Rodgers into this. But listen, I believe in that. Matter of fact, I believe Josh Allen is better than uh, than Goff. I, I think that you put Josh Allen in that Rams defense, I mean the Rams offense, and the Rams are undefeated. The Rams could definitely take off. That might hinder Gurley's production, though, because of how um, Josh Allen likes to get out of the pocket. But they do have a great O line that'll keep him clean, and he could definitely he'll have all the help. He, he has needs. a strong arm too. Ridiculous! Throw that On down the, the run, field. Especially, I I just want to talk about that last play in the Dolphins game, uh, where Josh Allen. Well, well ultimately, he's throwing that Charles Yeah, where he threw to Charles Clay. He got out of the pocket. He bopped and weaved a lot of defenders. Got himself open, saw the wide open receiver, and threw it on the run. He threw it on the run. That's all incredibly hard as it, as it was. I think it was like a 40-yard pass, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong on that. If it was a 40-yard pass or anywhere near that, on the run for the game, on fourth down, that's, you have the makings of a clutch quarterback. All the way from across... The field too. It, it wasn't even because he threw it to the right side of the field from the left side, running to his left side. So, Josh Allen is special. I think if they put the right pieces around them, they don't have. I, I saw him throw it to to Zay Jones a little bit early in the game. Zay Jones, it hit the ball right in his hand. The ball hit him right in the hands, and he dropped it in between defenders. Too. He's really not in a good offensive team. the def- The defense is pretty. They're pretty decent, especially since they didn't have an offense to be carrying them. They're doing really good. Most most years they've had a solid defense, yes. So if they could surround that man with some with an actually good receiving core, he could be a threat. That especially that guy in, is dangerous in that weak division he's in. I'm telling you, once Brady leaves, once Brady leaves, it will be his division. A lot of people see Sam Darnold, and for a moment it looked like Sam Darnold would be the guy, but. Come on, man. How do you not see Josh Allen doing these things? I'm not going to lie to you. Back to the Jared Goff comment I made. I don't like that guy. You don't like Jared Goff? I Is it just because he started in your fantasy team? No, 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 back? no. Even before that, I just feel like when I watch him play, I'm watching a quarterback that's supposed to be a replacement for the main quarterback when he's injured. Like, I don't see Jared Goff being a starter. I see him being someone that backs up Tannehill when he's injured or backs Mahomes when he's injured. I think backs- he could start over Tannehill. Honestly, you put you put Goff in the Dolphins' offense, and he's not going to be doing what he's doing with the Rams. Not even close. I believe you put Josh Allen in the Dolphins' offense, and he will actually take the Dolphins to the playoffs. It's certainly possible. I think. Like, do you think the, do you think Goff would be able to do anything with that Dolphins team? I, I know he has a certain sense of mobility, but I don't know if he has enough to survive on the Dolphins. You know, we have to attribute a lot of um, the success to the offensive line that the Rams have, as well as um, Sean McVay 
and it's genius play calling. On top of that, you have Todd Gurley. You have a lot of things going for you in LA. A lot of things. You have a lot of things going for you in LA. Whereas in the Dolphins, they're constantly under duress. I don't know if I don't know if um if their play caller Adam Gaze is being creative or not. I don't know if he's being creative creative enough on the offensive side of the ball. I don't think he is personally, but maybe people that actually do watch the Dolphins game more because, quite frankly, they are unbearable to watch, at least for me. And I'd rather watch teams I like, like the Texans, which is my favorite team. So, um, And that's what you think is hindering Tannehill, too, that there's I, no O-line. It's always He's been the O-line. There's no mobility. He, he doesn't move outside the pocket. Like, if and if he actually moved... He might be able to make plays, and it's hard. And that's why I think the O-line, at the very least, if you know you're not good enough to hold long, to hold on long enough, you're trying to be something you're not. At the very least, uh, know that you have a mobile quarterback. Know that mobility is an option, and block accordingly. Put him in lanes where, at the very least, if, the, if you're not going to stop him, put him in a position where he could escape the pocket and try to make plays, which I think too often they try to be uh, in the pocket offense, and that's not going to work. For a quarterback that has mobility, that doesn't have the time to make the plays because the receivers can't get open and because the O-line can't hold on long enough. At the very least, you have to help him out by opening rushing lanes for him to get out and actually try to make plays instead of trying to make a, every down a screen down. All right, so, like, we've talked for a lot, football. So in five minutes, I want you to tell me, maybe less, whatever you want to take, what are your thoughts on the Kareem Hunt situation? And not exactly... You know, he's supposed to get suspended. The video was out there. Everybody saw what he did. So it's just clear that it's going to be suspended, especially since he lied to the team and said that there was no physical contact. So you could only expect them to suspend him because immediately when you're lying to your coach's face, the president's face, the GM face, everybody's face saying that there was no contact. This video surfaces. They see you clearly making contact. Even if they gave you the benefit of the doubt before, the fact that you lied to the face yeah, takes that's a all credibility breaker. and you're done. So that's really not what I'm worried about because Kareem Hunt suspended. Probably no one's going to pick him up this season. Right. Knowing the NFL, someone's going to pick him up next season following some suspension that he's going to have, and everybody's going to forget. So I want to know now, are the Chiefs – does this does this hurt the Chiefs? I, I would say it hurts the Chiefs a little bit. I mean, we still saw that they were popping off against the Raiders, even having Spencer Ware, but it, it adds a certain element to it when you know you could trust a guy to both pound the rock and – contribute in the receiving game especially with kareem hunt's speed but like you said it's the fact that he lied to his coaching staff and i can understand why he would you know ultimately you're in a position of fear you don't know what's gonna happen so i guess he didn't think there was a video no it was just right for them to suspend him it was really just the right no no no, no not even suspend him they outright fired him yeah the right like, call. they released him and i'm that's right on the organization part but i'm not I'm saying I'm not surprised that Kareem Hunt lied under that situation, especially because he didn't know there was a video. I guess he didn't think it would surface, so he that just, doesn't help he just told his him. case. Though. Because it, even if he apologizes I'm for not, all that, the I'm fact not that he lied, this, I'm not saying this to help his case. So we understand this; it's not going to help his case. No, no, I'm saying I know, I'm, I'm understanding saying him as an more. individual. I'm just saying it hindered him a lot more. The fact that all that came out because even right. if you apologize afterwards, right? It, it's it's out there. I mean, and we that saw you what lied with and Ray that the Rice. tape is there. Yeah. See, but the thing is, once you deny it, you, are you really sorry if the tape comes out and you deny it from the from the beginning? Because no, you you're you could have come out caught. exactly because yeah. you could have come out and straight be like, "Hey, I'm sorry, guys, this happened. You know, I was really, you know, intoxicated, or you know, I was really mad that day. This this woman started touching my friends. I I just I just couldn't help it. You know what I'm saying? That would have helped this case. Whatever reason. It whatever it was, whatever much, it would have helped in the eyes of other organizations that he was, with the coaches, and that he was actually sorry about what happened. Yeah, he was and remorseful. Not, yeah, yeah, and not that he was caught. I don't know. That hurts him a lot. But the NFL is the NFL, and I believe he's going to have a job next season. And it's funny too about the NFL how they'll hire um, abusers, how how they'll continue to keep in abusers. Um, whether you're a child abuser, whether you're you be women domestic offenders, there we go. We'll, we'll call them domestic offenders and a social activist. Like Colin Kaepernick can't get a job because of a political reason rather than someone actually beating an innocent individual. Isn't that the truth? I mean, just look at what happened with the Redskins just now. Yep. Getting Reuben Foster yeah. off the waivers. Uh, I mean, uh, uh, he's talented. Kareem Hunt's also talented. He's talented at going to prison as well. 
Or jail, I should they, say. They right, they haven't been to prison. They, they but they've been arrested. Yes. So they they have talent on and off the field, as as you might say. But for you guys, especially for a team like Washington of all teams, funny how they got Ruben Foster, but they didn't add Colin Kaepernick with Colt McCoy starting as a quarterback. It's interesting. Does this hurt the team? The Chiefs? Yes. Ultimately, no. It 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 won't it won't hold them back. But they they are missing an important piece to their offense to the running game, and that's something they're gonna miss. What won't be missed, however, is the head coach of the Chicago Bulls, who has been recently fired by the organization. Good riddance. And I'm pretty sure most of you Chicago listeners listening to us that are, in fact, basketball fans are thrilled about this. Yeah, because we don't want to talk about your Bears. Y'all lost to the Giants. So we're going to talk basketball now. And the only team that matters right now is Chicago in the sense that they they fired their coach. I'm so happy. I'm so happy he's gone. Like ever ever since we let go of Thibs, we we we've been going in a in a bad direction, especially defensively. You know, they wanted to hire an offensive-minded coach. They did. The offense has been pedestrian at best. We've had its moments where it's been really good, but never for a significant game. What's been holding us back was our defense, and a big part of that was losing Tom Thibodeau. That being said, now, finally, we got rid of Fred Hoiberg. I think we're done tanking. I think that's why they're yeah, doing this now. the rebuild now. has to be done unless... I mean, you guys are pretty at the bottom right now, so you guys could get RJ or, or Zion if you really want to. Exactly. But I think I think they just want to get in a new guy and start now, start to build that chemistry, which I guess they were trying to do earlier, but it wasn't working with Fred. Now they're trying to build the chemistry. And hopefully it'll go someplace next year. Not this year. Don't win this year. Whatever you do, Chicago, do not win this year. Win next year. Let's get some good guys in and, you know. Finish the job that you started. Because yeah. at this point, you just got to go for it. Yeah. They're, they're not even, like, they're negative. You might as well do it. You know what I'm saying? But at that point, you guys want to think to yourself, we should have kept Fred. Because, like, ruin his record still, you know? He's the one that you should mess up. Not some... You coach that's gonna come around and be with some positive record and then throwing in the trash by the Chicago Bulls for trying to tank, you know. But that's just me. If they want to do that, they want to rebuild with a coach and and try to see what works and what doesn't. They they could go all for it. All I know is Laurie Markin in his back, and that guy's gonna show out, and he's in my fantasy team, and we're all out for this. See, and that upsets me because that's that's a position of all positions I needed the most. The the power forward position at the moment, and I'm we just so trade. happy he's back. We could trade. I'm just so happy he's back. Nah, send your people to talk to my people. We'll nah, do we don't have the right pieces to make this work, so don't worry about it. All right, but, keep um, going. Marketing is all good, but no, you know, marketing is special. A lot of he people, a lot of people just saw Ben Simmons. They saw Donovan Mitchell. They saw. I mean, Jason he's Tatum. not at their level yet, so we could. Yes, he is. They saw Jason Tatum. You didn't let me finish. They saw Jason Tatum, and they saw Kyle Kuzma to round up the list. And they were high on all four of those guys, but it's like, at the very least, Laurie Markkinen was better than Kyle Kuzma last season, and I don't think that's up for the bait. You Wait, look at their numbers. Why'd you bring Ben Simmons? They weren't even in the same draft class. They weren't, but he was considered a rookie. <laughs> oh, air quotes, by the way, since we're not being recorded, but through film at least. So air quotes. Because you can't rookie. see him. Yeah, right. rookie. Which he's not, but whatever. Your definition of a rookie. Laurie Markkinen deserved to be in that conversation, which is why he got first-team all-rookie last year. He was good. A lot of people kind of threw him under the radar because he's playing for Chicago. They weren't playoff-relevant like the Celtics, like the Jazz, like the 76ers. And Kuzma playing in Los Angeles with all the lights on and Alonzo Ball and everything. Of course, they're going to get all the attention. But they they, they just kind of swept him under the rug, and that, that wasn't cool. Markkinen was a beast. He's a special piece. You got Zach Levine now. They just drafted Wendell Carter Jr. We'll see how that develops. And Chris Dunn, I want to see how they're going to mesh together. A lot of young pieces moving forward. And I think this team will be special in two or three years. I want to talk to you about something we talked about nine episodes ago. And I could talk about it next episode, but I want to talk about it now because I feel like this is the right moment to do it. And uh, I just want to take a look on our premature predictions and see how we we did with the standing. Shall we do that, Pablo? Because I believe that... You know, our heart was in the right place, but 
the numbers weren't in the right song. Let's get into it. Especially in the West, where things are just completely wild. Spicy. I mean, I told you, the West is up for grass for anybody unless you're the first seed. Because the first seed is the Warriors forever, and you're not going to take that away. And yet... Sure enough, it really is up for grabs this season. No, it's not, Pablo. It's not up for grabs. Steph Curry and Draymond Green haven't been playing. And well, even when Draymond Green were playing, they weren't the first. It's seed. not Steph Curry. Steph Curry is the heart and soul to that team. Steph Curry made that team. This is not KD's team. KD might be the second best player in the league, but let me tell you something. When it comes to the Warriors, he's still the second best player because Curry's number one. You're wrong, but that's not why we're going to talk about this. What I mostly want to talk about is OKC, the Clippers. Realistically, they're going to drop. Um, realistically, the Denver is going to drop, too. I think that's a little bit less realistic. Let's just tell the standings as of right now, December 3rd. Denver is number one. The Clippers are number two. OKC is number three. Golden State is number four. The Lakers are five. Memphis is six. Portland is seven. And the list ends with Dallas. Now, I believe that Pablo had a really decent uh, West list that he should share and see how much he's gotten so far. How accurate is your list right now? All right. So my top two teams in the West are Golden State and the Rockets. Rockets aren't even really in the playoff pictures, though. I have no doubt that they will make the playoffs and rise through the rankings. But... um. The Warriors, like you said, they're without Steph. I don't think the absence of Draymond made that big of a difference, but sure enough, they don't have Draymond. So there you go. Now, the third team, who you didn't think was going to be up this high, and sure enough, they were the Denver Nuggets. I didn't think they'd be up at number one at all. I thought they'd be at three. Now they're at number one. That's something I thought five, was unrealistic. So that's pretty high for the Western Conference. Me. I thought it was a little bit unrealistic that they're at number one, and I don't think they'll stay at number one, despite me wanting to for them to stay at number one. So that's a shocker. Uh, Lakers at number four. We'll see how that goes. Utah at number five. Uh, Which isn't in the top eight right now. Either. Yeah, so they've been taking a step back. I guess they know how to play against Donovan now after a whole year. They're not surprised, so they know what to do with them. Uh, Dallas, on the other hand, I had them at number six, and right now they're at number eight. So that was amazing that they made it up there. And I think they'll continue to go up there with Luka Doncic leading them. They got uh, DeAndre Jordan actually making free throws now. Say goodbye to Hacka. Hacka. Jordan. Hacka sure. Andrew. Is that what they called it? No. Hacka Jordan. I thought they called it Hacka Shack. Yeah, but that was Shaq. For, yeah, but like the principle was to hack. Anyways, right. He's making free throws now. So. Okay, see, I had at number seven, who's all the way at number two or number three. Right, they're all the way at number three. And then the last one, who was kind of my wild card. And honestly, I don't know what I was thinking when I said this, but I truly believed in Devin Booker. I had the Phoenix at number eight, the Phoenix Suns. I know you said that, uh, well, for one, wow, great pick for the eighth seed because nobody saw that coming. But for two, I just want to say that I know you mentioned that the Jazz aren't there because of Donovan Mitchell not being a surprise team but I don't think that's really it uh looking at the Jazz schedule you would see that they're playing to start the season they were playing very rough teams uh they have losses to very tough teams such as the Raptors the Nuggets uh they lost to the Mavericks 68 to 118 so that's right there is a national nominal defeat because you just got outscored by double the points you have that's not going to happen anytime soon. And they lost to the 76ers as well. These are all tough teams that not a lot of teams are playing. They're playing softer uh, rivals. And as the as the schedule moves on, everybody's going to start playing everybody else. And you're going to start to see that teams are going to rack up. The Rockets are obviously not there because Chris Powell was suspended for a minute. Then he came back, got injured. James Harden was also injured, so you really haven't had the combination of two, but that's something obvious. You all know this by now. Right. The so Rockets, let's get to my The Rockets standings. are a very top-heavy team. Right. Golden State is number one. Houston is number two. OKC is number three. The Jazz at number four. Denver, number five. Portland, number six. New Orleans, number seven. And the Lakers at number eight. Now, New Orleans is also not a team that's in the top eight right now. 
I think they have to get their stuff together. They will eventually. Anthony Davis is still playing like a beast, and if he still is, if he stays healthy, he will continue to dominate. You know, their uh, shooting guard and more is injured. He's not 100% yet, so you're not getting that other scorer alongside Anthony Davis. Once the injury comes back, once the team settles down, you know, they, they're playing some tough competition. They lost to the Heat, but on the bright side, you see that in the second quarter, the team starts to mesh well together. They start to get those shots, and you need they're, they're playing a, top, uh, a very heavy three-point ball. Meritage is doing really amazing in the team. He cut his beard. He kind of looks like Freddie Mercury right now. <laughs> and he's really lining it up. Okay? So, I'm not really worried Poor for the Pelicans. Yes. I just don't think they're going to be a top five seed. I I don't think Anthony Davis can really carry that team unless Drew Holiday shows up like he did in the postseason. But I, they're, they're talented, but they're not top five talented. I don't believe uh, as far as Dallas goes, it's top five talented. Top five talented. That's that's what. Like, what do you mean? I told you my top five: Golden State, Houston, OKC, Utah, and Denver. Those and, to me are top five. And you don't talented. think like they're better than maybe Utah or OKC? Definitely not. Utah has two good pieces in Donovan Mitchell, and you have Gobert. But like, besides that, you also have a really good six man in Jay Crowder. Ricky Rubio works his magic every now and then, so you have that good scoring, those good assists. They're pretty complete. The fact but that then, they, but you have like two you consistent see. players in Gobert and and Donovan Mitchell, you have that two consistency going on. If someone, anybody else could pop up. Now they have Kyle Korver, so you add Kyle Korver, you have Jay Crowder, and you have uh, Joe Ingles, Ingles that are shooting three. That team is can spread the floor, and you have someone in the paint. Ready to get hatch a rebound. I just want to touch on your Donovan Mitchell and um, Gobert thing. Essentially, Davis fills the role of both of them and better. Um, he's by himself. He's combined better than those two. Put I together. understand, but you can, uh, you have to remember that he can't play the entire game. He's not right. there in the floor the entire game. As opposed to Donovan Mitchell, he could play while Gobert is resting. Gobert okay, can show up. But then, okay, going on to that team, you also have Julius Randle. Like you said, you had Meritage that plays the same position as Anthony Davis coming off the bench. So you're getting, so you're getting a scoring coming off the bench with uh with Meritage who's been playing amazing. You still have Drew Holiday there, um, because you mentioned, I I think you mentioned Ricky Rubio. Well, Drew Holiday is a top five in assists right now, so he's getting those dimes and he could still score regardless. On top of that, we've seen that he could play defense. When it matters, at the very least. So, boom, you got that. You got the combination of Gobert and this guy. Then you got Meritage coming off the bench. You got Julius Randle coming off the bench. Antoine Moore could kind of be like the sixth man, the Joe Ingles that you're talking about. That's all I wanted to touch on when you're comparing those teams and talent-wise. Really can decide what's going to come out. Hopefully, I believe that my list is a lot closer than Pablo simply because I don't have the Phoenix Suns in mind. Uh, besides that... Let's move on to the East because the East has always been a division or a conference that is always up for grabs. And I believe that the talent in that conference has skyrocketed since the last three years. And that just makes it a lot harder to decide who's going to show up and who's not. So my list begins like this. Boston at one, big mistake. Indiana at number two, Victor Oladipo was injured. So I'm, I'm still going to believe in that. Milwaukee at three, Toronto at four. Shoot me. I would switch at this point Boston for Toronto, put Boston at four, Toronto number one, because I simply see that Toronto has a really good team. Simple as that. Kawhi showing that he could carry a team by himself. After that, I have Philly at number five, because I simply don't believe that Ben Simmons is going to be so consistent throughout the season. Embiid is a beast, but he really can't do it. Centers cannot carry a team. We, we know that's a fact. After that, the Heat are number six. Wizards at number 7, and Detroit at number 8. Oh, and the current standings for the East as of December 3rd are... Toronto at number 1, Milwaukee at number 2, 76ers at 3, Detroit at 4, Indy at 5, Boston at 6, Charlotte at 7, Orlando at 8. Yeah, those last two aren't going to stick. Let's just be honest. So what's your list looking like? Well... We had the same list, just in a different order. Well, so we have the same East teams, the yeah. ones that make it almost every other season in the East on the top eight. Not Boston, a big surprise. Yep. Boston at one, 76ers at two, Raptors at three, Bucks at four, Wizards at five, Pacers at six, uh, Miami at seven, Detroit at eight. 
And uh, what's going on with Boston? Well, they gotta get together, man. Gordon Hayward does not seem like he's uh, the man you should be paying the contract like that to. And he can blame injury, but I just don't see it. Last game, he, he started to look like himself. And, you know, when you come off an injury like that, a freak injury like that, he, we both saw how Paul George came in. He didn't come in guns blazing, nor was it a stacked team with high expectations. Now this guy's coming back. He's getting into the rhythm of it. They'll, they'll be all right. They'll, I think they'll still be number two at the lowest. You think the Heat are actually going to make the playoffs for real? Or is that, what was that? Yeah, man, for the culture. They'll make it. No. They, they won't do anything. You, they'll you they'll still try to win games. They're going to tank. They'll try to win. I don't think they're going to tank, which is why I do think they'll make the playoffs. Like, the only team I realistically see at the bottom is maybe Charlotte stays at the eighth seed. That's about it. Like, the Heat are making the playoffs. Wizards, it's a travesty going on. The, the conference still close. They'll make the playoffs. They'll get it together. Dwight Howard's gone. For however amount of time so i think that would be good for them well there you have it we don't have anything accurate except for me having okc as number three and paulo having what the sons is number eight how is that accurate b but uh what i do have accurate well almost accurate lakers at number five They'll move up to number four, though. OKC won't be there for long. Don't worry about yeah, it. And the Clippers won't either, so. You know the reason the Rockets are down there is because they had Carmelo Anthony in the beginning of the season, right? That's why OKC wasn't doing so well last season. It's big facts, man. Big facts. A long journey for the NBA to end. It was a very early for major prediction, but that's what we do with that. We want to predict this as early as possible to see who's actually right at the end. And we're going to keep up with that. Uh, as of now, we're our teams are some of our teams, most of our teams are already in that playoff contention. But we're gonna have to wait to see if they land the numbers we let pick them on. So I guess uh, that's pretty much everything I have to say about this. Uh, there's no pop culture, and Pavone is out. So thank you for listening. Are we not gonna bring up the the sickle mode thing then? And that's all we have for this episode of the Dimecast Podcast. We want to give a big thanks to all our listeners. We appreciate all the love and support. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Dimecast Podcast. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, don't forget to give us that five-star rating and subscribe to your boys. And also a big thanks to those of you listening on Spotify. We hope everyone enjoyed this episode of the Dimecast Podcast Show.